0: Good morning, LifeHouse. Welcome to uh, LifeHouse Online again, right? Here we are. We're back online only, and uh, we hope that you had a great Fourth of July last night and had the opportunity to celebrate in some sort of capacity anyways. Uh, we're going to do this for this week and next week, so the 12th will also be online only. As you know, we've uh, kind of been taking this in two-week chunks and. Uh, reevaluating after two weeks and so after service next Sunday we'll reevaluate and we'll take a look at how we move forward as a church and uh, honestly we're just trying to do uh, everything that we can to keep everybody as safe as possible uh, it just requires a little bit of flexibility and as I said in the pre-service I'm not a very flexible person if I'm being honest I order the same foods I go the same uh, I travel the same routes I, I just not very flexible, but I'm doing my best to uh, to be flexible during this time. And uh, and we just want to do everything that we can to just keep everyone safe. And so uh, that that's how we're going to move for this week and next week. Uh, and uh, yeah, so let's get started. Let's jump right in. Last week, we concluded our series in the uh, Justice Matters series. Uh, and last week, I kind of began to introduce this idea of lordship, that if we are to be Christ followers, we really have to come under the submission and under the protection of having Jesus as Lord over our life, and uh, and so I want to talk a little bit more about that today. I want to uh, kind of dive a little bit deeper into this, and I thought it would be appropriate because uh, to be honest, we just come, we're just coming off the heels of celebrating. Our independence, our freedom, and what it means to be an American, and all of that, and uh, and so I kind of want to. As important as that is, I want us to pivot a little bit, and I want to talk about the importance of what it means to be a Christ follower, uh, and when we submit under the lordship of Jesus Christ, that freedom comes—the uh, freedom from fear freedom from anxiety freedom from stress right that uh, that we experience a peace that scripture talks about that surpasses all understanding and uh, and so i want us to to take a look at what it means to have jesus as lord because if we're not careful what what we'll do is we will allow the chaos of this world and the circumstances that surround us uh, to be exaggerated in our lives in such a way that we will begin to justify our fear, right? And so what, what happens is is we, we begin to exaggerate the size of our problem so that our anxiety is logical. And, and I, I want us to be very careful of that because what happens is is we don't if we don't make Jesus as Lord over our life, then all we will see, as I said last week, are our problems. All we will be able to see is everything that's going on in the world around us. But if we could experience the peace of God, if we could if we could just grab hold of the peace of God in the midst of this crazy, unbelievable journey that we are all on, then what happens is is we experience, uh, not just the peace of God, but we experience the manifest presence of his mind over you, that you begin to uh, understand more of how he sees you as a son and daughter of the Most High God. And so when we experience that, when we experience how he sees us, and when all that we have in our focus, in our line of sight is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, then what happens is is then we will be able to to put blinders on to all of the rest of the chaos and the crazy and the trials that are surrounding us. It doesn't mean that we don't take action. It doesn't mean uh, that we just bury our heads in the sand and, and don't do anything But what it does do is it puts everything into alignment in such a way that the things that we are filtering and the things that we have our eyes focused on is Jesus, is our Lord. He is in his rightful place for our life. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to... Uh, I want to revisit a passage of Scripture that's really one of the most familiar passages in all of Scripture, and it's one that I think gives us a great picture into what it means to submit to Jesus as Lord over our lives. Now, I'll preface this by saying before COVID, before quarantine, uh, back when we were in 29 days of prayer back in February, if you can even remember that far, uh, I spoke from this same passage of Scripture in reference to prayer. Now I want to take a look at it and really focus our, our hearts and our minds uh, into the current situation. Because I believe this passage of Scripture is loaded with depth. It's loaded with a, a, almost a script in how we are to approach life, how we are to live our life as Christ followers. And it's the 23rd Psalm. This is one of the most familiar in all of Scripture, and I want to read it to you from three different translations. We're going to read it from the NIV version, Uh, we're going to read it from the Amplified version, and then a paraphrase called the Passion Translation. And and so uh, I want us to, uh, I'm going to read this to you. You can follow along on the screen if you're with us on our website, on our uh, website page. You can click down on the link and pull up the Bible uh, and you can follow along through that as well. And so uh, here we go. We're just going to dive into it, and then I'm going to break down this passage, passage of Scripture in a way that I believe will be helpful for us as we, uh, as we uh, really position ourselves in submission under the Lordship of Jesus. So here we go. The Lord. This is the NIV version. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So good. Now let's take a look at the Amplified Version. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, to guide, and to shield me. I shall not want. He lets me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside the still and the quiet waters. He refreshes and restores my soul or my life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort and they console me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows." Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell forever throughout all of my days in the house and in the presence of the Lord. And then finally, this last one, I love how this is kind of worded and I I left it for last because I thought it would uh, really ring true to uh, much of what we're experiencing today. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure. And he leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will not conquer me, for you already have. Let me just repeat that for you. When when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will not conquer me, because you already have. So good. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit and give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and your love, they're pursuing me all the days of my life. And then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. I love the the imagery that we hear. We are living in a season of fear-driven culture, and what we're reminded in this passage is that we will not fear because he is our great shepherd, and so I want to break this down a little bit. I want to just talk through some of this stuff and maybe see what's been such a familiar passage of Scripture kind of unpacked in a different way. It starts off, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I shall not want is the, is the point that I want to make. This is such a, a great passage that I believe needs to be revisited often. I think we need to constantly come back to this scripture because what, what this is is a reminder to us when we get our lives out of alignment, it reminds us to get back into alignment See, oftentimes we don't have a financial problem. What we have is a lordship problem. The Lord is my shepherd, is where it begins. Meaning that the Lord, I have, I have, um, I have come under the submission as his sheep. I have come under his, his safety, his protection, that he is. My Shepherd, He is the Great Shepherd for us, and that's where it begins. It doesn't. This passage of Scripture doesn't ignore conflict. It doesn't ignore that there's conflict in this life. It doesn't ignore that there's warfare, that there's spiritual warfare that's going on. In fact, just the opposite. It recognizes that there is. It doesn't ignore the fact that there, we live in a dark culture. We. It, it addresses all of these things. But what it really does is it gives us this insight where he takes us through a process, not for defeat, not for fear, not for anxiety, but for triumph, that he, he takes us through a process so that his name would be exalted and that, that we would be strengthened in the process, that there would be this spiritual formation and development that would take place in each of our lives. See, I think that if we're, if we're just going to take a step back and be completely honest, we are the worst at diagnosing our own problems, right? There are many of us who think that we have relationship problems, and the reality is that, uh, we probably have a lordship problem. There are many who are struggling right now with fear and anxiety, and it's a result of the absence of Jesus being lord over our life. See, no problem is, is too impressive for our God. No, no problem looks big in the face of the one that defeated everything on our behalf. See, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Sometimes the Lord uh, puts us in situations where He, it's almost like he yokes us together with people, uh, whether it be at work or whether it be in friendships or a church or whatever, and he, he yokes us together with people and when you're yoked with someone the, the truth is, is it only hurts when you start going in a different direction. That's the purpose of a yoke, is, that, is to keep you going in the same direction. And so oftentimes what happens is, is the Lord is using circumstances around us to teach us to walk like Jesus. Sometimes the, the pain that we feel that we are certain is someone else's problem, it's someone else's fault is actually a lordship issue. It's actually an issue of keeping Jesus as Lord over our life. The Lord is my shepherd. He directs my life. I was listening to uh, a pastor this, uh, this past week who uh, actually uh, a lot of this is coming from in the sense of, of this idea of lordship and he was saying that he, one of the biggest challenges that he has is assuming that he knows the Lord's will. And, and when I was listening to this, I so identified with this because I think at times, uh, especially as a pastor, it's easy for me to uh, make, decision and make decisions and walk out those decisions assuming that I know the will of God. And I'm not talking necessarily about making decisions between right and wrong or decisions about uh, moral things and evil things or any of that, what I'm really addressing and talking about is uh, sometimes what happens is, is it's like I know there's this right decision and then there's the the God-directed right decision. And I assume that the right decision that, that I'm walking through is directed by God, and I see this um, a lot. I see it where... Uh, People will uh, say that in the name of God that they're making a decision, that, well, God led me here, or God did this. And I think that sometimes, um, you know, we assume that God is leading us there, or we assume that this is a God decision, when in reality it's probably just a, a pretty decent decision that we're making on our own. And I think that we miss out at times Because we don't take a step back and we don't pause and we don't listen to the voice of God. In fact, I think we've become conditioned in a lot of ways to just go ahead and make decisions without listening to the decision that God might have for our life. I think that God covers us sometimes. You know, it's like, it's like yeah, I, uh, I really felt like the Lord uh, was leading us to this place or we, leading us to go to this church or leading us to move to this place. And, uh, and in reality, uh, it, it may not have, ne- you know, it's like God's like, well, I didn't really tell you that, but, eh, I, you know, it's close enough, fine, you know. But I think that there's other times in our life where he leaves us hanging because, honestly, it wasn't his will for our life. And then we have to deal with the outcome of that. We have to, at times even, deal with the consequences of assuming that we are doing the will of God. See, if you can feel the pain of the moment you are in, Right? If if you go, if you assume and make these decisions and and you're like, man, I, I thought this was God's will because it seemed like such a right decision. And uh, and the reality is is that you just were assuming, and I have been there so many times, and it, and at times it works out, and, and God's covering and grace is sufficient there, but at other times it's painful. And if we can just feel that pain. For the moment, then uh, it's almost like, well, maybe next time we'll remember not to assume, but to really take it to the Lord and really listen for his voice. Because the truth is, is that when he is, uh, when he is Lord of our life, he is Lord He is the Lord of all lords, right? He is Lord over all. He is a kind, and he is a perfect father. He empowers me, and he covers me, but the truth is, is he is Lord, not me. Last week, I said a couple of times that we need to make him Lord of our life, and I just want to bring clarification to that. Even though it may be semantics, the truth is, is we don't make him Lord. He is Lord. He's already Lord. The question is, is will we submit, will we come under his lordship and will we live out this life, not assuming that we already know his will, but will we live this life with him, Lord, over us and submitted to his voice for our life and how we respond. Now, it doesn't mean that we won't have a difficult decision to make Ever. Right? It doesn't mean that we won't have a difficult decision to make tomorrow. It doesn't mean that, that, that if you have a problem in your life, if you're going through a struggle right now, it doesn't mean that he's not your Lord. In fact, that is the opposite of this. This psalm is describing how do we live our life even in spite of the circumstances that we experience And that when we begin to live our life, despite or in spite of all of the circumstances around us, that we will begin to experience a breakthrough because Jesus is Lord. Notice he says, for my name's sake. That's because for every victory, every victory that we experience, all of creation rejoices. And the reason it does is because. They see his plan at work. Scripture says, and I I used this last week, says where two or three are gathered in my name. I'm there, I'm present. And I alluded to the fact that, yeah, we all have the Holy Spirit in us. If you are a Christ follower, you already have the Holy Spirit in you. But there's something that takes place when two or three are gathered. When we gather together, that there's something exponential that takes place when Jesus stands in the midst of us. That there's something more powerful that takes place when two or three are gathered. And I believe that it's possible when two or three are gathered, it's possible to create something of unity in this life. Not for our name's sake, but for his name's sake. See, it's imperative for everyone to see his plan, to see his people carrying out his will in this world. The Lord is is really just looking for one simple thing and it's the acknowledgement of his lordship in our life. He is my shepherd. And because he is my shepherd, I'm not lacking anything. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green postures. Some of us need to be made to lie down. Uh, Many of you know if you're tuning in with us uh, and you're new, uh, you you wouldn't know it with me standing here, but about almost four months now or three months, three and a half months now, I broke my hip skiing. And what's interesting is that was coming off right off the heels of me preaching uh, these very words, uh, that he makes me lie down in green pastures. And in fact, I took a picture of sitting on a deck uh, looking at a beautiful lake, and I said, he makes me lie down in green pastures, that, uh, that there's something in it, and I don't think God broke my hip necessarily, uh, but I do think that there are times in which the way that we are created, if we don't rest, if we don't take a Sabbath, if we don't find time to, to be still before the Lord... Our bodies will react. Our minds will react. Our, our, our soul will react in such a way, and we will be forced to lie down in green pastures. We will be forced to take time out of the craziness of this world and to be still before him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and then it says he refreshes my soul. Often when we see the word soul in Scripture, we think mind, will, and emotion. This, this word in particular in this passage of Scripture is used uh, really almost 750 times in Scripture, and it's used to describe us in our whole person. So when it, when it says he restores my soul, it's saying everything about me becomes healthy again. How many of you would would just claim that for your life today, that everything about your life becomes healthy again? And I would just refer us back to the, the beginning of this passage, that if everything is not healthy in your life, maybe it's not a world's problem, maybe it's not a social media problem, maybe it's a lordship problem. And I will just pause there for a second because I confessed this last week that I think for most of these past four months as we've just been kind of plugging away and going through and making decisions and things like that that are uh, the best decisions we know how to make for, for this moment. I think that what I've discovered in my own life is how easy it is for my alignment to get out of whack. And I found myself even communicating and saying, I need a break, I need a break, I I, I gotta get away, I I gotta get off of social media for a little while and take a break from all of the crazy that's going on in our world. And maybe my problem isn't so much my mind, my will, and my emotions. Maybe the problem is a lordship problem. Maybe it's that I haven't really in this season made sure that Jesus is Lord. And it's it's hard for me to confess that to you. It's a little bit easier because nobody's in the room right now. But it's hard to confess that. But I say it not out of some, oh, you know, it's horrible that our pastor has a lordship problem. I'm just confessing it to you because I recognize how easy it is in the midst of difficult times for us to get our alignment out of whack goes on to say I will fear no evil because you are with me. When we look at our world we're starting to see that what we inherently have always known that there is pure evil that exists and is looking to destroy anything that is of our lord. I think it used to be masked to some extent, but now it just seems to be so blatantly obvious and so blatantly evil that it's causing fear among God's people. And I want to challenge us with this. I want to challenge us with the idea that we see in this passage of Scripture that there's actually Parts of his presence, parts of who he is in his character that you can only find in the midst of the dark valley, in the valley of the shadow of death. That there's aspects of who he is that are uncovered in the midst, in the midst of the dark valleys. There may be some of you that Feel honestly like you're walking through the dark valley. Maybe you're even asking the question, Why would He take me through this? Why would He allow me to go through this? And the answer is because He is confident in the work that He's done in you. See, if we weren't actually new creations, if we aren't new creations, then it wouldn't be true of us. So if we haven't actually been born again, if we aren't new creations in Christ Jesus, right, that we, we believe is true, and if we weren't that, when, if we were to go through those valleys, those dark valleys, it would destroy us. See, no, he, he believes in the work that he is doing in you and me, And what he's doing is he's enabling us to go through these situations to see him in a perspective we've never seen him before. He doesn't create the evil. No. He he doesn't create the darkness. But I do believe that he allows us to go through them and he enables us to make it through those times to experience something that we couldn't have found anywhere else. I said this last week that the longest way through a trial is to do it apart from the lordship of Jesus. Uh, The truth is, is if you find yourself in the midst of the dark valley, that the quickest way out or through that, not out of it, but through it, is Jesus is Lord, is Jesus Is Lord of our life, that he is with us, he covers us, he trusts us, and he reveals parts of his loving, protective character to us in some of the darkest of times. I want to just say that as I look at my life and I look back over the course of even the 13 years of being in full-time vocational ministry here at Lifehouse and seven years prior to that, that it's been that in the midst of some of those dark valleys that I have felt more loved and cared for by my God. See, when we're not in the dark valleys, it's easy to assume upon his will. When we're not in the dark valleys, it's easy for us to make decisions and to move forward, and everything's great. But it's in the dark valleys that we become so dependent upon his lordship. And I will tell you that, that, that if you are not under his lordship, then I, it will be a very long valley to walk through. The passage goes on and it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And uh, anytime I've ever read this scripture, I've actually, I've memorized the 23rd Psalm. I've known it since I was a little kid, but I've always never fully understood this statement. What does it mean that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right? that That in other words, he is taking a table and he's putting it in the middle of where my enemies reside. And what is the table? I mean, we know that the table throughout Scripture is a representation of a place of nourishment, a place of family. It's a place of intimacy. And God says, I'm going to put this table in the middle of your enemies so that so 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 many things that are going around you will be be taken care of and blinded to the fact that when I put this table in the middle of your enemies and you sit at the table with me, all you will be able to see is who's sitting across from the table. See, so many Christians oftentimes just all they can see is the circumstances around them, all they can see is their enemies. It's not about what they are for. It's about what they're against. And it's like they they look for their enemies around every corner. So many people, it's all that they can see and understand. They define their circumstances by their enemies. The Lord would say to all of us, would you just come and would you just sit at the table? Would you just sit with me? That there's this place of intimacy and fellowship with him that actually causes all of these hellish things to disappear. It doesn't mean that they're gone. It just means that they don't matter. See, the Bible says that if God is for you, then who can be against you? It doesn't mean that no one will ever be against you. It, it, clearly, that's not the case. But what it does mean is that everyone that is against you, they don't get to control you. They don't have a vote into your life. The truth is when you sit down at the table with your Lord, he takes care of everything else. I've watched... People go through stuff and they are so aware of the enemies that are around them and not the Lord who is present with them. See, most people, they they don't have a financial problem. They have a lordship problem. Most people don't have a relationship problem. They have a lordship problem. Most people don't have a fear and anxiety problem They have a problem where lordship is absent from their life. It's when I try to fix the stuff myself. It's when I begin to exaggerate the size of my problems that I have to recognize that I got out of alignment and out from underneath the covering and protection of my lord. The Lord is telling us, I have set you up for victory. I have set you up for this ahead of time. And even to prove that I have set you up for victory, he says to them, I'm going to take you, he says it to us, I'm going to take you through this dark valley. And then I will place you at the table before me. And I will sit together with you as a reminder to the enemy of our soul that he can't steal, that he can't destroy, that he can't kill, and that there would be this ongoing testimony of the nature of God and his redemptive person for all of humanity that reminds the enemy, you did not win. You only set us up for a greater victory. The passage goes on and it says, you anoint my head with oil. It says, my cup overflows. For many of us, we don't believe that we can speak hope and life into this world. For many of us, we fall into the trap of of qualifications, that we feel as though we are unqualified to be able to speak speak hope and life to the world that we live in. And I would argue that this is not a knowledge issue. This is a lordship issue. See, when we have submitted to him, when we have been through the dark valley with him and we've come out on the other side, when we are seated at the table, then guess what? Our cup will overflow. Then when people see us, there will be, more pouring through us and out of us than we can possibly contain. That we can be a fountain of resource and of of countless numbers of people that we could actually bring health and life in the midst of a very dark world. And it's because we have remained in the place of trust even in the darkest of times. See, what has happened in me is that he has created in me a fountain of life. And it's a result of the lordship of Jesus. It doesn't mean that I don't miss it. It doesn't mean that I can't get out of alignment. But the truth is, is that that when we are in alignment, when we recognize his lordship over our life, he can trust us with greater capacity, with greater influence, simply because we found the presence of God in the darkness that is honestly, seemingly overtaking this culture. I believe that when we do that, when we put our submission to him, we will have more than we could ever ask for. Your head is anointed. Your thought life, right? Your your thought life and out of you flows rivers of living water, rivers of life if people don't recognize that there's something different in you than the world, maybe it's a lordship issue. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You and I were designed to live in the manifest presence of the Lord. See, when we dwell in the house of the Lord, we have everything that we need for this world to think that we don't have what it takes to make it through this, that thinking has to go, right? That, that is based on fear. That's based on anxiety. That's based on a humanity and not on our God. We, we live in the, in the presence of God everywhere that we go, every person that we come into contact with, every circumstance and situations that we are a part of, we live in the presence of God. We are empowered people to bring the hope and life of our Lord to the hopeless, to the fearful, to the anxious. We have a message of victory that comes not because our life has been easy, but it comes because we've been through the valley and we have continued to experience his goodness and mercy. Some of the translations said his goodness and his endless love, his unending love that are following with us wherever we go. I heard it said that in regard to that scripture that uh, that his goodness and his mercy follow us all the days of our lives. It's almost as if they're behind us and anytime we're wanting to stop they're, they're just kind of kicking us and saying, "Keep going. Keep going. Keep moving. Keep bringing hope and life to this world." They're encouraging the the hope and the, or excuse me, the the goodness and mercy are, are encouraging us along the way to keep on pressing in wherever we go. I give you all of that as a reminder, as a understanding of the current times that we live in. The times that we are living in are dark. But we do not have to fear because he is with us forever.